Kia and welcome. I'm Boris Lamont and you're listening to the New Zealand Wine Podcast. Thanks for joining us for this episode where we're speaking with Anna Robbie from Mount Michael Wines in Central Otago of New Zealand. And we're at Anna's house in Arrowtown on a beautiful Central Otago day. Anna became involved with Mount Michael Wines in 2015 and she shares with us her vision for the future of the brand. So right now, let's go have a chat with Anna. Good morning, Anna. Good morning. Nice to be here with you. This is uh, beautiful. Welcome and to lovely. Arrowtown. Yes, yeah. it's a splendid Arrowtown day. Just a little slight hint of snow on the top of the ranges, but beautiful and sunny and warm. Well, welcome. It's not like this all the time, but I'd like to pretend it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, fair enough. Um, so how did you come to being sitting here in Arrowtown and uh, doing wine with Mount Michael? Yeah, um, so my both my parents are Kiwi, so don't be fooled by my Australian accent. Um, I, I don't know, I've got my... I don't know how you'd call me. I'm um, born in Australia, but, but bred Kiwi. That might be the way you'd define yep. it. But yep. um, my dad's from Invercargill and my mum's from Maru. And um, they'd moved across separately. They met in Brisbane. And uh, they always tried to come back as often as they possibly could afford. And um, and so Arrowtown's always had a, um, a special place in our family's hearts and I've had more Christmases and New Year's Eves here than anywhere else in the world and the wine side of the question well it's all been very serendipitous and unplanned Um, in 2013 my dad started Wine Solutions in Cromwell Um, it is a bottling labeling storage dispatch facility Mm -hmm. and uh, I wasn't very keen on that, I'll put it out there, um, but he had some health difficulties and there was a bit of a management transition that needed to occur in 2015. Um, and so my now husband, Tim, and I, we quit our day jobs, which we were doing quite happily in Brisbane. Uh, and Tim was out west on a on a station. Uh, quit, um, moved across, knew nothing of the wine industry at all other than I was a fairly good consumer, I suppose. Yeah, good. Well, it's a good starting point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. At least you appreciate the, the end product, don't you? Which yeah, is that's always right. Good to... I had a frame of reference, I suppose you could yeah, say. Yeah, um, And, yeah, it was about um, a year or so, um, just yeah, just under a year um, with the business and we'd just put new managers in and starting to look pretty comfortable without us and I was pretty keen to get off the bottling line I'll be clear <laughs> um, and one of the clients of um, Wine Solutions was Mount Michael right uh, and they were looking to move on they're a syndicate and I think you know as most partnerships do that at a point you want to go your separate ways and um, I don't know Tim and I just probably looked like two young people that were a bit bored on a bottling line so we were fairly good ones to approach yeah. and um, yeah in t- November 2015 um, purchased Mount Michael Wines and it's been um, a learning curve ever since. Yeah so when you purchased Mount Michael um, what was it what were you buying vineyards and Yeah so um, Mount Michael 
it had been a 20-year wine label that had been at that time through two sets of custodians. Um, so Martin and Sue Anderson, uh, they'd founded the business um, and it's uh, the vineyard that they planted is now known as Scott Base. Um, and so when I suppose the, the second partnership came through, they... Um, they relocated and um, took the brand with them and planted a gorgeous vineyard up at Lowburn. Um, it really is quite stunning. Uh, and so that's where the home of Mount Michael had been for another seven years. Um, and when I purchased the business, I wasn't in a position to buy the vineyard um, and I didn't know enough about viticulture that I felt comfortable in leasing it. Uh, and so Maud Wines um, have got the lease of um, what they now call Sitting Bull Vineyard. Um, I think that might be a nod to my predecessor. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, um, I found myself homeless um, and I thought I was going to get those grapes, but um, I, Maud have surely found great things to do with them. So um, James McElroy and I have been on the hunt ever since. And so... Um, it's made it for a more tumultuous journey than I would have liked. I thought it would might have gone a little smoother, but um, I don't think that, you know, in business, if um, if it's too easy, I suppose everyone would do it. Yep. So, yep. yeah. Yep, certainly. So, what, what have you been doing the last couple of years then? Have you been yeah, so we've been fortunate in that... Um, some some of the grapes have come off that vineyard. Um, so the last couple of years we've been sourcing from Bendigo. Yep. Um, and so there's been a vineyard there and um, our Pinot Gris, um, a very small amount has come from Gibson as well. So, um, you know, it's been a, it's actually probably been a really fortuitous thing given that um, I'm now looking at purchasing a vineyard that we've been sourcing and making from Bendigo and Gibson and obviously um, James had a you know very thorough knowledge of of the winemaking process when he was working with the Lowburn fruit mm. um, and so we have a really I don't I mean I, I'm sure as most Central Otago winemakers do they all sort of know how it all goes together with the fruits of the regions but um, it's been a, a good opportunity to get to know the different sub-regions mm -hmm. and um, now as I start my adventure into, you know, looking to acquire a vineyard, um, I think I've got a clearer idea and certainly if I'd tried to have done it any earlier, I don't know that I would have had as um, clear um, checklist in my own mind mm. and certainly um, James always has done. Um, he's, you know, I He's 37 vintages throughout the world and um, he's very, very skilled. And so it's just sort of nice to have that time to catch up to him, but yep. in a very small way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but still, yeah, no, at, at least um, having some sort of idea or um, some sort of experience under your belt rather than it's just It's just been this like incredibly steep learning curve. Mm. I think that, um, you know, I look at my peers in oh, and I don't even I feel silly calling them my peers because they just happen to be in the industry and they're just like so much more mature in what they're doing and they know this industry in and out and it's their passion and you know it's it's what they've lived and breathed for a lot of them for 20 or so years so I, I feel like I'm um, an intruder <laughs> um, to a degree but uh, it's been it's been pretty interesting to just throw myself out of my comfort zone entirely and um, see what's out here in Central Otago to take on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can't substitute for enthusiasm, so it sounds like you've got lots of that. Yeah. I'm really, I'm genuinely excited what the future holds for Mount Michael because we've gone from a 
brand that had been, you know, sort of a private collection. I don't think that it was an active sales campaign that my predecessors Mm. had. I think that's Mm. a fair thing to say. Um, You know, it was a hobby and it was, you know, a fun investment. You know, some people have yachts, other people have vineyards. I think that's sort of the category they fell into. And, um, you know, not taking anything away from them because they had an amazing vineyard and the quality of the wine was always sublime. And Mm. that was a really big part in um, why Mount Michael was the one. Um, it was not just the timing. It was also that, you know, they'd never, ever compromised on quality. And that's something that, you know, I know um, as an intruder into that, or a new person, newcomer in the wine industry, you know, if I, I think if I so much as thought about cutting corners or doing something, you know, a cheaper way or an easier way, um, I think there'd be a lot of people saying, no, 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 she's doing it wrong, you know, so I've been, and I don't know if that's right, but I do feel like um, people are sort of watching me very curiously and I want to do it right. Right. Well, that's good. um, Yeah. yeah. So, thank goodness I've, you know, inherited a a brand that has that sort of reputation that Mm -hmm. I can just, you know, as custodian, just keep pushing it along. Yeah. Yep, yep, okay. So, um, what was your production in the last couple of years, generally? Um, So, when I acquired, it was about 1,200 cases, and we've just sort of, we've been pushing up to around 2,000, with Mm -hmm. goal to get to about 3,000, so... um, I've seen all the people that you've been interviewing on your podcast. So, by comparison, I'm like a minnow. Um, But, you know, from little things, big things grow, Mm. and hopefully Mm. we can... um, we can get to some sort of commercial volume. I just don't want to um, push the hammer too hard when we're sort of finding our way still. Yeah. Um, I don't want to make too much wine and then not be able to sell it. I think yeah. that's something that I've seen um, in my capacity at Wine Solutions. It's where people have seemed to get unstuck a little bit. Mm. And um, I'm really – distribution is my biggest um, focus at the moment, I suppose mm. you could say. Mm. Mm. So, the, the – the business side of the wine business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And I mean, I think someone has to do it. Mm. I mean, it's all nice to frolic the vineyard and um, mm. play with the cuttings and, you know, do all of these things. And that's a huge part of it. But I think James is m- most at peace when I'm not involved in these things. <laughs> um, he does a bloody good job without me. I don't need to interfere. Yeah, yeah, good. And and so it's Pinot Noir? Pinot Noir, Pinot Gris and mm. Pinot Rosé. Okay. Yeah. Yep, yep. And had all those been, um, they were already a part of the Mount Michael? Yeah, so I I purchased all the back vintages from my predecessors. So we we hit the ground running with a full suite. And um, yeah, I I do remember that November having acquired particularly the Pinot Gris and the Rosé and going, oh my God, we need to to sell this down because we've got 2016 just like ready to go, Um, you know, around the corner. It, It was that was a huge uh, incentive to not um, yeah not take my time that was that was that really had me traveling the countryside mm. Mm. right okay yep getting it out there and yeah. and getting to know your your um your market. I've never lived out of a suitcase so much in my life. Right. I haven't unpacked my toiletry bag for two years. So, you right. know, for people listening to this that think they'd like to get into the wine industry, I hope you love to travel. Yeah. It's your ticket to do so as long as you're in the in the black. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and is it predominantly through New Zealand or have you been going offshore uh, Australia as well? Australia as well. Mm. Um, 
I mean, it was a sort of fait accompli being that I grew up in Brisbane. It would seem sort of remiss not to leverage on my, mm. um, you Local know. knowledge. Uh, yeah, exactly. Mm. Mm. Uh, and we have got some distribution into California, um, mm. Rarotonga and some little places in between. I've been really careful wherever we sell our wine. I want to have a personal relationship with the people doing that. Um, I want to be able to visit them. I want to know who their customer base is. And I'd like to be able to engage with their customer base, either with wine dinners and these sorts of things. I just think we're such a small business that at the end of the day, if you, you know, there wouldn't be a case, a bottle or whatever that, passes through the warehouse that I don't know exactly where it's going and call me a control freak and I know at some point it's going to have to change but it's a really nice thing knowing that our wine um, is off to mm. you know be celebrated and yep. enjoyed and yep. yeah yeah, yeah. Well, that, that, that must you know ultimately be where a lot of satisfaction comes from all the work you do up front but it's uh, it's the enjoyment of it in the end that what it's all about really, there's nothing it? that makes me tick more than when I go into a restaurant and I see someone drinking my wine mm. particularly our rosé because mm-hmm. it's a very strong colour in the glass and I can normally pick it against the other rosés in the room mm. and um, so, you know I'll sit there quietly and I remember when I first um, purchased Mount Michael there was a restaurant that always used to sell our rosé and people would come in and I'd get so excited and Tim would just be like you can't get this excited every time you see someone drinking your wine like it's just calm down and for God's sake don't introduce yourself on the way out the door <laughs> I was just like I just wanted to thank everyone for drinking my wine yeah thank you for your support yeah, so no, that's, that's, that's okay. been massive for me because yeah. um, a lot of people have been really really generous with their time and effort um, in helping promote mm. Mount Michael mm. um, I feel like I have a team of, you know, restaurant ambassadors up and down the country and mm. I'm very, very fortunate for um, the stockists that have stu- like, you know, stood by me and not just yep. gone from season to season with another supplier um, yep. because I know that, you know, it's um, there's amazing wine out there. Mm. It's not just from Mount Michael. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what, what industry were you in before, before you started? I was in property. I was in commercial right. property. Okay. So yeah. I specialised in offices and warehouses um, in business park sort of things. and Okay, um, so around the Brisbane area. Yeah, yep. yeah, and I loved it. I really loved it, and I mm. thought that I was going back to it. When I moved across for Wine Solutions, I literally took six months' leave without pay with my employer, and I said I'd be back. And um, and it was funny because quite a few of my clients, when I said what I was up, up to, they all said, oh, no, you're not coming back. <laughs> and so um, I've had to eat my words a bit there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. And and so you're you're look actively looking for some property at the moment? Yeah, I'd like yeah. to have a home for Mount Michael. Yep. It's been a little bit sad um, that the vineyard that we were on has, you know, it's out of my control now. Um, that was never the that was never what was sort of envisioned and so responding to that and um, moving on is a really important part, I think being that we're such a small wine company people really want to know exactly where the wine is from and I just want to have a level of transparency where um, it's a little bit easier to understand I think for people particularly domestically I don't think it's the same internationally I think the concept of like being a negotiant is a lot more widely accepted as a good good way to be Mm. overseas I think Mm. in New Zealand um, it appears um, that 
being a single block vineyard is the only premium way to be, um, which is sort of funny because, I mean, put it this way, we didn't win gold with the previous vineyard um, with the New Zealand Wine Awards. Mm. We, we just, you know, tipped with silver for two years in a row. And then the year that we enter, you know, James's first foray mm. into the Bendigo area where we're sourcing fruit, yeah, he, he's got a gold out of that New Zealand Wine Awards. Mm. So we're sort of like, yeah, okay, maybe being a negotiate isn't so bad, but mm. I do want to have a home um, mm. and I do want to... Um, yeah, yeah, but it gives you different things, doesn't Complete it? Complete the story a bit, yeah, you know? It gives you that control and that security and, um, and ongoing. And that's a big part year. of the decision. I think the control about it um, is huge because there are a lot of corporates coming um, into Central Otago, um, a lot of smaller vineyards, um, and their fruit allocation is being, you know, utilised. Uh, it makes it more expensive year on year mm. to source fruit good quality fruit I mean we're really really particular with the fruit that we're sourcing so um, you know I, I don't want to be left vulnerable where we come second best to a big boy just because I don't have the budget or I, you yeah. know yeah well and, and many are doing um, you know a hybrid aren't they of, of both so exactly you know, and having, I think having you know, your own and as we grow as well you know like I said my, my goal is to get to 3,000 cases in the next little while and then five after that that's sort of where I'd like to be mm. um, and realistically I'm going to have to do that with sourcing fruit externally even if I do buy a vineyard because I'm not going to go out the gate and buy a big one it'll, mm, be, a, no. it'll be a little small yeah, or, you know, it'll yeah. be a blimp on other people's um, radars and, so. and you might find that you want to buy some space somewhere but then um, you know look for something else in a different subregion exactly or, right yeah. yeah I mean if there's if there's one thing that we sort of um, learnt from this last period um, sourcing the grapes is that I don't know that one region is better than another and certainly I think that um, seasonally they would change you mm. know different years do different things and mm. weather is constantly evolving and changing so yeah 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 and that's right so yeah even across one season different subregions will give you a different um, character won't they and uh, yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Okay, and so uh, you think you'll stay with those three varietals for now? The um, yes, we will always have those three, those core three. You know, I, I always say that we're the Pinot people, Pinot Noir with the Pinot Gris, the Pinot Rosé. Yeah. But I do like, um, I would like to add Chardonnay um, back to the fold. Mm. It used to be produced by Mount Michael. Um, I know it had a really strong following with our... Um, customer base and I think that Central Otago produces extraordinary Chardonnay so I would I would really like to get back to doing that um, and I have a penchant for Chenin Blanc but you mm. know that's I don't know I'm very much led by James in these things um, if mm. you know if he thinks that whatever site or whatever fruit is available that's premium and if he thinks there's, there's an opportunity that we you know just can't go past then that's um i'm led by him mm. uh, he's my quality controller if um if i started running off into the wilderness choosing grapes i think we'd all be very concerned about the quality going yeah. forward so yeah. yeah um i leave it to the experts yeah no oh well i'd be happy for a chenin blanc i think it's um yeah i think there's you know there's only a few wineries in New Zealand doing it but it's quite good I think they're doing some good yeah, stuff yeah and I mean people can pronounce it as well that yeah. certainly helps on a wine list doesn't yeah, it no, yeah it does someone just the other day was saying exactly that to us about Gewürztraminer that uh, yes, people avoided yeah. it because they couldn't say it I know how do you order them it's just I think wine lists are 
um, baffling for a lot of people and yeah. um, and just to yeah take that away from it a little bit yep. I don't yeah. know yep. um, but I but I genuinely like the variety so mm. um, let's see mm. Mm. okay and is is there anything else that you've seen going on in, in the world of wine either locally or even internationally that you've gone oh, I quite like I quite like that idea or oh. or you've had something maybe recently that's um, not the usual someone's tried something or to be perfectly honest with you given how new I am to the industry almost everything I try is new is, and exciting new. I mean yeah, I have good. to say I'm drinking better than I've ever done before and I probably um I probably shouldn't so much so often um but I'm certainly you know I, I just I love doing trade visits and things with um, my clients because um they generally like to show me what else has just been brought through the door yeah, and I, yeah. I just I love that little bit of a yeah. Uh, the sommeliers that I meet are really generous with their time and I think that they know that um, I'm, you know, quite happy to to hear about what they're seeing. I mean, that these are the people that are at the coalface. I mean, they're being shown everything and mm. they've got a far better palate than me. So, mm. I, I love it when I go on a trade visit and a sommelier is showing me what this just come through. But uh, to be fair, I can't think of a particular one no, and no. I don't think I'd be wanting to play favourites with anyone either. Yeah, no, for sure. No, and I think, and it's interesting what you said earlier about Chardonnay, it is a little bit of a recurring theme that, that we're hearing around um, Central Otago. Is, um, well, it was all either, pulled out quite a long time yeah, ago and it's yeah. really sad because it would have just sort of been getting established at this time. There's not a huge amount of mature vines that are in the region. Mm. Um, so those that have got them, um, yeah, they're not selling their fruit. <laughs> no, no, that's right. And I think if you're looking to start putting in a, a, a bit more again, yeah. And have you... Uh, in, in your travels or even yourself, have you prepared a dish or have you come across something that someone's paired with uh, Mount Michael uh, and you've gone, oh, that's really sort of stood out as a really great pairing for, for one of the wines? Um, oh, you know, I have never eaten so many different foods that I thought I would hate. You right. know, like when you when you read something and you on you you're looking through and there's like I don't know liver or you, you, all the things that you think mm. you know I'm not I'm not the most I'm not the biggest foodie getting around but I've got to say I've changed my stripes a bit I certainly will try anything mm. especially with the caliber of chefs that um, have been you know we've been doing wine dinners with um, so I'm sort of been surprising myself but just some of the seafood um, like I really I really love a ceviche with our rosé mm -hmm. um, and I particularly like it done when it's sort of um, Asian inspired you know really the spices that come through chilli fresh chilli I really enjoy that sort of food um, and I never ever ever thought that I would be the one to say that because I, I mean the concept of sort of raw fish is just like what that's not me right. so okay. yeah. you know that's yeah. that's what good wine can do with yes. food and um, it's equally what will happen when you don't want to um, insult someone that's just given you this beautiful food and you're inclined to try it just to do the right thing. But, oh, my goodness, it's now my favourite dish. Yeah, so, yeah, pleasantly yeah, surprised. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, great. And um, so in the, in, the near, in the near future, still quite a bit of travel for you? Just I think so. Um, mm. Tim and I have just got married. Mm, congratulations. <laughs> we, thank you. Um, we... Yeah, tied the knot in 97 days. We were on holiday, first holiday we've had for a wee while, and um, and he proposed, and it was a bloody good thing for our parents. We didn't just tie the knot there because um, we were going to, but we realised our mothers would kill us, so we su just had a surprise wedding right. about a month ago. Oh, and um, oh. whereabouts? Uh, in Brisbane. In Brisbane, um, yeah. And yeah. so it was very 
if we'd done it the proper way, it would have been here and it would have been for our 10-year anniversary next year. But uh, we just decided it was all too much and all too many people. And um, after that amount of time together, we just sort of knew that the timing was right. And um, sure enough, here I am on another work trip and um, I won't see him for another 10, 20 days. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, hopefully not quite this much without him right. hopefully he can not quite he so can, hectic yeah. next year yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so where, where is Tim based in um, he has been on the station but he's just relocating to Brisbane right. um, in the next month or so mm. um, which will be really good because it'll mean that coming across you know on the weekend sort of thing will be a lot more realistic I mean it's so easy to fly from Brisbane to, to Queenstown mm. um, it's direct flights and you're here in three hours I mean it's it's literally faster to get from Brisbane to Queenstown than it was from the station that Tim and I were both on in right. far western Queensland you know that was a nine hour drive so right. yeah, um, yeah, it yeah. was uh, yeah I'm quite excited that we'll be a little bit closer to home and what we're trying to do here because yep. um, I certainly don't want to take my um eye off the ball I'm really proud of what the team particularly you know Robin Edgar she's my sales manager in the North Island of New Zealand she's awesome and I want to be able to provide support to her and you know do the same in the south as I've done so yeah Mm. good 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 and uh, we finish on a uh, question if you could have any glass of wine with anyone either living or dead or may not yet exist what wine would it be and who would that be? Oh, um, so one of the first books that I read about wine, and it was before I was in the wine industry, um, was The Widow Clicquot. And I really did pique my interest. Um, and it still disappoints me that we don't and can't and probably won't make um, sparkling wine. Oh. Um, and so... I also found her story just captivating, given that she was. Um, so, um, and just explain who that the is. The Widow Clicquot. Yeah. So, I've, I need to get a name for you, but she was the founder of of um, Verve Clicquot. Verve. Okay. And she she had um, she was the widow. Uh, it was her husband's family that had the wine company, and she was left, you know, with with a vineyard and vintages and life had to go on and she went through the Napoleonic Wars. Okay, so yeah, so we're talking some time shipments. ago. shipments. Oh yeah, this yeah. is like, this is centuries and centuries ago. Um, yeah. yeah, so I think, yeah, it would be pretty special given that she was such a dominant woman in the wine industry mm-hmm. and obviously her brand um, far exceeds her um, I suppose people don't really know that story. Um, they just know no. the wine. Yep. So it'd just be, I don't know, it'd be wonderful to speak to her then, particularly at the time where probably, you know, all of her wine bottles had exploded on that ship going, you know, across right. to... Right, okay, yeah. You know, it, it just, she she had a lot of trials and tribulations mm. and um, and being female, I just, I find that really interesting because mm. um, it was mostly men in those days. Yep. In the business? Yeah. So. Well, yeah, and, and there are a lot of women in wine, um, certainly in New Zealand. Oh, yeah, yeah and, and wonderful mentors abroad, as well. Yeah, 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 which is great. I said it'd be nice, so a, a bottle of... Um, uh, so, so back... Oh, so yeah, we need, need to be the... Um, is it 17th century Verve Clicquot? Yeah, right. the, yeah, the equivalent okay. of that. Yeah. yeah, okay. That'd be pretty cool. I think. Yeah, I think I don't it know. would be. Yeah. You can tell I'm not much of a wine buff. Oh, but, no, well, um, no, that's... Um, that's great. That'd be most enjoyable, I think. Yeah. Well, you know, the wine and just talking to her. 
Yeah. yeah well, I, I mean, there's lots of people on this podcast that have had 20 years experience or 30 years experience or more. And I've sort of been thinking, oh, why am I, you know, I'm so new to it. But um, I suppose everyone starts somewhere. Yeah. And, abs- well, um, that, that's exactly right, which is. So know, maybe when the, someone asks me in 20 years what wine I'd like to drink, I can give them a, 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 a um, I might be. Well, you I might, might have I might know my stuff by then. Well, and you <laughs> might just have, you know, that's what, um, that's what life does. It gives you a different perspective and, and you might have a different something else that you'd that's you know more important for you or yes yeah um, you know important in a different way for you i think that's the thing with wine i think the more time you spend around it um the more you um start to appreciate i mean it's just it's such a vast Mm. vast industry um international just all the different ways that you can go about doing it um it's really admirable the way people dedicate their entire lives to to the industry and um, and I'd like to think that with Mount Michael as custodian I can, you know, create something that's um, a bit special for the future. Mm, fantastic. Very good. Well, that's a great note to finish on. So thanks, Anna. Appreciate that. Pleasure. Thank you for coming to Arrowtown. Oh, well, it wasn't too difficult. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Cheers. Okay, cheers. We've been in Arrowtown in Central Otago speaking with Anna Robbie from Mount Michael Wines. If you're wanting to find out more about Mount Michael, you can look them up online. That's mountmichaelwines.com. And also be sure to check out some of the other great New Zealand wine podcasts where we talk with lots of other people who are involved in the wine industry here in New Zealand. Thanks for your company. We look forward to it again shortly. Hey, kōna mai. Bye for now.